Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to get into that into just a moment. If you haven't been with around us for the last few weeks, can I just make a point of saying that our last three weeks here at the church, the last three sermons, they're all available online. And I would encourage you, if you missed any of them, uh, to get online and have a listen to them. They've been outstanding. Three weeks ago, we had Andy Martin with us, who's spoken uh, several times at the church. Him and his wife were here in Birmingham. Another church in the city served us so well, they've then moved to Egypt, uh, where they're serving God there. He dialed in and spoke to us about God being with us. It was outstanding. If you missed that, please get that. Two weeks ago uh, was Father's Day, and we had a triple whammy for you. We had Aaron and Rob and Paul all spoke to us, did a short section each, which again was excellent. Lovely words they brought, dovetailed nicely. Please catch up with that if you missed that. And then last week, was Phil. Philippa spoke to us about time to dream again. If you missed that, please have a listen to that one as well. So you might miss all three, you might miss one of those. Please catch up online uh, with everything that uh, God is saying to us through the amazing men and women who speak to us uh, every Sunday. But today we're going to get back into to Timothy and we're going to talk a little bit about remembering today, how we remember what we are to remember. And I don't know about you, what do you do in your life to help you remember things, things that have have happened, significant moments. If you're like us in our family, you probably do some similar stuff. One of the things we do is photos. We have photos up. Mel is brilliant at putting photos up that remind us of friends and family and places we've been. This is one that's up, pride of place at the moment. When we take photos as a family, we try and get us and the boys together and look at the camera and everyone smile. They never work, to be honest. When we say do a crazy face, they work every time. And so we have some outstanding photos. So this is one from our recent uh, holiday. We were down in Sussex uh, over Easter for a few days, and we had a fantastic time out there. And that was one of the ones. And so that sits in our kitchen as just a reminder of a wonderful time we had as a family. I don't know if you're a souvenir person, that when you go somewhere, you like to get hold of something. Uh, Mel does that. And this is, uh, she likes to collect mugs. And this is one from uh, Belfast, as you can read there. A couple of years ago, we were over visiting family uh, in Northern Ireland um, and having some time out there. And we went to Belfast for them. We went to the Starbucks there. Mel brought a mug there. And this is one of our favorite mugs that's in our house. And it just reminds us, reminds her of the wonderful time we spent over in Northern Ireland on the holiday. We have, sometimes you get clothes. This is one, this is actually is mine. This is my T-shirt that I got. I did a race a while back, uh, the Serpent Trail, and they give you T-shirts and stuff like that. And so I wear this. And it reminds me of something that I did and a great fun time I had. Uh, Ben and I did that in the summer a few years ago, and that was brilliant fun. And so what we're going to be looking at tonight is remembering. And the passage we're getting to in 2 Timothy is all about Paul telling Timothy to remember. Now, if if you've been with us, the letter uh, we're looking at is 2 Timothy. We find it towards the end of our Bible. I think we're on the fifth week now. We've gone through the whole first chapter, a bit of the second chapter, and it was written by the Apostle Paul to his younger ministry um, associate, his son in the faith, Timothy, um, and it was Paul's last letter, and it was a reminder for Timothy to keep going, and that's why we called this series, Keep Going, and the image we're using is the image of a relay and a baton being handed off, hence why we've had this kind of being passed around. It's just a visual reminder to keep going. And Paul is saying to Timothy in the letter, keep going in what you're doing. Because the thing is with Paul, he was nearing the end of his life. He was in prison, in a Roman prison in Rome, and he was facing execution. As far as we can tell from church history, not long after this letter was written, he was uh, executed by the Romans. And he is talking to Timothy and he is saying, 
to Timothy to keep going in his faith, to keep going after what God has for him, to keep going in all his calling and his ministry. And so we're going to look um, at the next section. If you've got your Bible, if you've got to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 8, I'm just going to read it to you. It says this. It says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This this saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. All right, the big idea of what we're going to look at tonight is that as Christians, we are to keep going in the face of hardship and suffering by staying totally focused on Jesus and remembering who he is and what he has done, who he is and what he has done. So we've just had, if you remember a few weeks back, Timothy is, uh, Paul's spoken to Timothy and he's using the image of a teacher and a soldier, an athlete and a farmer. And now Paul brings him back to the place of remembering. He's saying, keep going after Jesus. That's what we're looking at today. Keep going after Jesus. And what we're going to look at is we look at the what, the why and the how of this passage. The what, the why and the how. So first bit, the what, verses eight and nine. The first thing, the what is that we are to remember. It's the first word in my translation. I don't know what it says in yours, but it just simply says, remember and that is a sharp command uh, the um, uh, commentary commentator writers tell us that he's saying so he's effectively saying pay attention listen up kind of a stop daydreaming um, it's a forceful word from Paul the old apostle to Timothy a young leader and the problem is with us with Timothy is that we can be like goldfish we easily forget things that are going on bet things are important because life rushes in And it can overwhelm us. And particularly in difficult times, particularly in times of suffering, the things that get our attention are things right in front of us and things that kind of we're not looking at or we've kind of put the side. They can just get pushed out of our mind because there's so much going on. And Paul is calling Timothy back and saying, remember, you need to listen up. This is important, Timothy. This is what you need to remember. And what does he say? He says, remember Jesus. That's the next word. Remember Jesus. Timothy is to rivet his attention on Jesus with a laser focus. Nothing is to crowd in and take the place of Jesus in his life. Paul's primary concern for Timothy is that Timothy, like Paul, would remain focused on Jesus. And then if you notice, Paul then goes on to clarify exactly who Jesus is, some stuff about him. And he, he basically is a kind of a mini gospel presentation that he writes down here for Timothy to kind of think over and understand. And he says three things about Jesus. The first one, he says he calls Jesus Christ. Now, just to be clear, Christ was not Jesus' surname. Um, mine is Crane. It's not, it's not like that. Christ was a title. That Jesus has. Sometimes we read in our, our Bibles, he's referred to as Christ Jesus, um, putting his title first, uh, like a doctor, doctor someone, and that they put the title there. And Christ means uh, anointed one, 
the Messiah, the one who was promised, who would come and save his people, the one who was prophesied about in the Old Testament. So this is Jesus, the Christ, the the anointed one of God. And then Paul says two things are more about him. He says he was risen from the dead. Jesus physically died. He was executed by the Romans on a cross, physically dead. He was then laid in a tomb, buried, and then he rose bodily from death. This is a central truth uh, to the Christian faith. If you remove the resurrection, everything else falls apart. It is an absolutely uh, vital element. It is the linchpin of our faith. And if you look at the New Testament as a whole, it is interpreted through the lens of the resurrection. It leads up to Jesus' death and resurrection, and then everything's looking back to that moment. And Paul is saying, if you're going to talk about Jesus, you've got to talk about him rising from the dead. He is the one who died, and he rose from the dead. He was fully man. He came to earth, lived as a man, but he died, and then he rose from the dead. He was also fully God. And then he describes him as the offspring of David. Now, what he's doing here is Paul is linking Jesus back to the Old Testament. We read about him in our New Testament, the Gospels, and then the church that comes out of that. But that is Paul saying, no, he goes way back. He goes way back to David. King David was the greatest king of Israel. And God promised David that one would come from his line, from his lineage, who would sit on David's throne, but he would reign forever. He wouldn't just be a temporary king who would live and then die and then a new king would come. No, he would be the guy who sits on his throne forever. And so Paul is saying it is Jesus. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the one who died and rose again. But he's also the one that goes back into the Old Testament, all the promises of God there, that he would be the one who sits on David's throne forever. He's the one the prophets spoke about. He's the one that the Old Testament patriarchs were looking forward to. And all this is stopped part of the gospel. If you read through the New Testament, you find Paul talking about these things in John, in Romans, about being the offspring of David, Jesus rising from the dead. It's all there. Paul is saying in a really condensed form, Jesus is the one. He was fully man. He was fully God. He died. He rose again. He is God's promised king. And he's the one he should proclaim. He says, this is my gospel. This is the message I'm preaching to everyone. And he's really condensed it down. But that's the essence of it. That's what I want people to know. And then he goes on to highlight um, the importance and the power of this message. He says, for which I'm suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. So Paul's given his gospel, then he says for, and then he gives an example for his own life. And the, he, he highlights the importance of this message because he's in prison for it. Paul is suffering in prison, bound with chains. And when we think of prison, we might think of our modern prisons, which aren't great because you're locked up, but actually they're way, way better than what Paul was personally experiencing, uh, where he would have been left uh, to the elements, literally chained to the walls, uh, minimal food or no interaction with people from the outside. And Paul is saying, I am suffering. This is so important, this message, that I am willing to suffer it and suffer as a criminal. That word that he uses there, criminal, is the same word used to describe uh, the, the men who were either side of Jesus on the cross, who had, who had done stuff so bad they were facing the ultimate capital punishment in being executed by Roman crucifixion. So what those guys had done had been horrific. And Paul is like, I'm, I'm a criminal like them. I've been treated like that because of the gospel. But the gospel is so important. This message is so important that I will suffer for it. But then he goes on to highlight its power. He says, actually, even though I'm stuck here in chains, 
the message, the word of God is not bound. I may be bound as a prisoner. I may be chained up, but God's word is not bound. God's word is going forth. God's word is powerful. They can shut the preacher up, but they cannot shut up the word of God. They can kill Paul. They can silence Paul. They can lock him up, but the word of God is not bound. It's going forth all over um, the world. And for Paul, it was the message. And then we have uh, what we have is the, the word of God written to us in our Bible. And even in Paul's uh, imprisonment and impending death, there is a message of life and salvation that's coming out of the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the long promised king. He's the one who came fully man. He died, uh, rose again, fully God. And he's the one who offers salvation to us. So Paul, the what is Jesus? Number two, verse 10, which is the why. The why it starts, therefore, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul endures, he says. Why am I doing why? Why is all this about? I'm enduring. I'm willing to suffer for this message. This message is so important. This message is so powerful. I'm willing to suffer. Why am I willing to suffer? Why am I doing this? And he says, for the sake of the elect. And that's a word that's used to describe the people of God. It's those who are the people of God now who've made a commitment, uh, Christians who've come followers of Jesus, but also for those who aren't there yet, those who are to come often. And for those people, those who are now already saved, already part of the church, but there are those who actually, who the word of God is going to go and reach in the future. And I'm suffering for their sake as well for the future. So it's Paul is suffering that God's people may be taught and cared for, but also that more may be added in the future as the word of God goes round. He says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain what? Salvation, that they may obtain salvation. The why of Paul is doing this. Remember Jesus. Why? Because ultimately it leads to salvation. And he wants men and women all over the world to know Jesus for themselves and come to that knowledge of salvation. And he's looking forward to the salvation that is currently, but also that which is in the future, because he uses that phrase eternal glory. And so that has a future dynamic, a future element. Paul is looking forward to the end when everything is consummated, when Christ returns and the new heavens and the new earth are brought it in and men and women who've chosen to follow Jesus will be with him forever. And there'll be no more crying and no more suffering and no more tears. And he uses eternal so that that's without temporal limits it's a never-ending thing and he talks about glory which is the talks about God's deity and power kind of in visual terms that's the glory of God is the power and the deity and the divinity of God that comes and that is what the elect obtain that is what Christians obtain and Paul is saying I'm doing all this for them I want others to come to know Jesus. I want the ones who are already made commitments to them to carry on knowing Jesus, and I'm willing to suffer for that. It's that important, the message, and the message is that powerful that I want others to come to know Jesus for themselves. And so we've got the what of Jesus, the why, which is their salvation. And then finally, we have the how, which is this trustworthy saying, which we find in the final few verses of our passage tonight, verses 11, 12, and 13. And it says this, the saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, 
he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself and so it begins Paul is saying this is a trustworthy saying and effectively he's calling to the to uh, towards the character and authority of of what he's about to say and it's likely read a few commentators on this it's likely that this would be something that uh, the early church might have memorized and used as a way of kind of transmitting truth because uh, they wouldn't have had as much written down as we have now. They wouldn't have access to the internet and all those things. So they commit stuff uh, to memory. And it's likely something Timothy already knew. So Paul is kind of just repeating back to him. You know this stuff that you've already learned. Let me write it down again. And it's made up of four statements that kind of have an if then. If this, then this happens. Um, and then we'll go through each one. And so how does this work? How do we remember Jesus? How do we kind of this obtain this salvation? Well, the first statement there says we die to live. We die to live. It says if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Uh, death is referred to here in a kind of a metaphorical sense. And as a follower of Jesus, we are to die to ourselves. We are to die to our, 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 our way of life. We used to live. We're to die to being in charge, die to being in control. And we are raised to new life in Christ. And this is kind of the symbol of what it means to be a Christian. You die to your old way of life. You're then raised to new life in Christ uh, to follow him. We are described as a new creation. The Bible says we were once sinners. We are now saints. When we baptize people, this is the symbolism of what happens when we put people down into the water. They go fully submerged. They're going down into the grave, so to speak. And then they are pulled out and they are raised to new life in Christ. And Paul is saying this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is how we remember him. Is We remember by dying to ourselves and living to a new life in him uh, in our current current moments but also looking forward to the future where one day we'll be raised with him forever and we will live with him forever and we will experience him forever and the second statement there it says if we endure we will also reign with him so we endure to reign we are the word endure has already been used before before if we go back to verse 10 paul says i endure everything uh, for the sake of the elect. And Paul is kind of using the present tense here, and he's basically saying to Timothy, you need to keep going. Enduring in this life is normality for a believer. It is what life should be like. We endure when it comes to following Jesus. We keep going. Sometimes life can be good, sometimes it can be tough, but all the way through, we keep going. But at the end of that, the end of that enduring at the end of that difficult season it says we will reign with him and the time frame there paul is talking about is the future again the consummation of all things that time when jesus returns and everything is wrapped up in him and we are to keep going as followers of jesus and paul is reminding timothy of that you are to keep going whatever you're facing and we'll come on to the next few weeks we'll see some of the things Timothy is facing in terms of false teaching coming into the church and opposition he is facing and the suffering obviously being associated with Paul and what he's going through and having people desert him that we've already read about in the letter. He says in those times, Timothy, you are just to keep going. You're to keep going. Know that one day you keep going, you will ultimately be raised and reign with Jesus forever. And then finally, in those last two statements, we are to heed the warning and to remain faithful it says if we deny him he will also deny us if we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot deny 
himself. And so this kind of deals with the question of what happens when we're disobedient? What happens when we fall? What will happen when we make mistakes? And the tone shifts from much more positive tones to more negative tones here. And what Paul is alluding to is what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 33. He says, whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my father who is in heaven. And that the idea of deny, it assumes a previous relationship um, that then has been turned on, that's been turned their back on. And we've already seen examples of this um, in the previous chapter with Phygelus and Hermogenes, who were people who claimed that they were following Jesus, but then they turned their back on Paul, on Timothy, on the gospel, on the church, and went their own way because of suffering and their unwillingness to suffer the gospel. They were not willing to keep going in the face of hardship. And that denial was expressed by saying, nope, we're not doing this. Uh, when the going gets tough, we are clearing out of here. And there's a warning in here for us that in response to that course of action, there is divine judgment. Disowning Jesus carries fearful consequences. And this is an awful warning that Paul is trying to get across to Timothy. And we need to heed it too, that actually those who deny Jesus, those who turn their back on Jesus, who those who go their own way, if they do not repent, will face consequences of their action. They will face judgment, their action. And, um, and so it's something that Paul wants to get across to Timothy. And that final statement sort of develops this, thinking and it's as if we are faithless he remains faithful and what Paul's getting there is even in moments of weakness and moments when we get his wrong Jesus himself is always faithful to his children and the idea there is actually if there is repentance Jesus will always be faithful to you and so there is a note of encouragement there there is a horrible warning do not deny Jesus. Do not turn your back and do not walk away because there are consequences. But there's also an encouragement that actually when we return to Jesus, when we repent of our sins, when we've mucked up and we realize that we can come back to him. And so the example of the first one, if we deny him, it will also be deny us would be Judas who betrayed Jesus and faced terrible consequences. An example of the second one would be the Apostle Peter who denied Jesus three times, but yet came back to him in repentance and faith and was restored by Jesus and became one of the leaders in the early church. And we, as the men and women of God, are meant to take that warning, heed it, and to keep going and remain faithful, knowing that when we do make mistakes, Jesus is faithful to us. It says he cannot deny himself. And what's that about? Well, when we are believers, we are in Christ. And so Jesus doesn't deny himself. He won't deny Christ because he is the Christ. And as we're in him, he will remain faithful to us. He will remain faithful to us. So we've looked at the, the what of remembering Jesus Christ, who is the why of salvation, that it's for the salvation of the elect, those who know it, but also those in the future, and the how of living a life of following Jesus and enduring through suffering and remaining faithful to him. So let's just look at some application for us now and how we can kind of put this into our lives in this moment in this season that we find ourselves in and the reality for all of us is that we are enduring at the moment something uh, we're enduring in this season 
Uh, we can be enduring lots of different ways, lots of different pressures come onto us, lots of different forms of suffering. There can be, you can be suffering uh, financially or relationally or mentally. You can be suffering with fear and anxiety and uncertainty, pain in your bodies, in your motion, concern for loved ones, uh, relatives, families. You could be questioning faith. You can be suffering for your faith. All this stuff can be going on in your life and all of us will face it in some form or another as kind of the days the weeks and months go on and as we walk forward uh, with Jesus these things come into life and the Bible is very clear that uh, when we become Christians when we choose to follow Jesus he, he never promises a rose girl he never said this is going to be really easy he said this is going to be tough you're going to keep going but he says I'll be with you and I will not leave you I'm faithful to you I'll love you I will fill you with my spirit though that you can walk through this time I will give you my peace I'll give you my boldness I will give you my courage and so in light of what we've looked at tonight I want you to go back to verse eight which was the, sort of the beginning where we started this passage and the first kind of imperative that we found there the first command which simply was remember and i want to ask this question to us tonight what are you doing to remember jesus what are you doing to remember who jesus is what he has done what he is still doing and what he will do one day what are you doing to remember who jesus is what he's done what he's still doing and what he will do one day and it is vital for us as believers to create habits to help us remember. This doesn't mean we will not forget and things will get hard in life. But if we work, build into our life patterns of remembering, it will help us to keep going after Jesus. So how do we do this? Well, I've got some suggestions for you. And I'd love you maybe to grab out a pen, a bit of paper or your phone, whatever you've got with you. And if any of these stick as I throw them at you, maybe you want to jot them down and think, oh, I might need to do them. Some of these things you might be doing. Some of the things you, these you might have done and then stopped. And maybe this is a, just a reminder to kind of kickstart. Think, oh, actually, maybe I could, I could do that. Or just let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you with this. What are you doing to remember who Jesus is? Because for Paul, Speaking to Timothy, knowing Paul was going, I'm not going to be here very much longer. They're going to kill me soon. This was some of his advice to his young son in the faith. And he says to him, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Remember who he is. Remember what he's done. Remember what he is going to do one day. So here's some suggestions for you. First one, read the Bible. Read the Bible regularly. Read the Bible daily. Listen to the Bible, memorize the Bible, stir one another up to read the Bible. However you do this, make sure you do it. Make sure you find it, whether you have a reading plan where you're going through the New Testament or the whole Bible year or whatever it is, or you're reading a particular book and you're taking your time going through it, or you're learning some memory verses and you've got a set of them and you're just trying to learn them over a period of time, whatever it is, Make sure you are reading God's word daily. Make sure you are talking to others about it and you're stirring one another about it. Make sure you are passing it on to others, passing it on to those around you. This is what I learned. This is what I've seen. Those who are younger around you, like Paul and Timothy, 
If you've got young people, uh, children in your orbit, grandchildren, whoever it is, are you passing on what you've learned to them? Are you passing on the habit? This is what I do daily. This is how I do it. Are you passing on what you've learned from them? It is absolutely vital as men and women of God that we are getting into our Bible. If you're stuck for something to do, grab 2 Timothy, start reading through it, start marking off what you've learned, marking off what's happening, follow along with these sermon series. They're great. If you've done that, you think I want something new, grab a gospel, start going through that. There are so many ways you can access God's word. Find someone in your life group you think they must read their Bible. They look like they know what they're doing. Talk to them. How do you do it? So you then in turn can learn, but find a way of getting into your Bible regularly. Doing it, it is a big story, God's story that ultimately all points to Jesus New Testament's explicit, the Old Testament's more implicit, you have to work a little bit harder, but it's all pointing to Jesus, and the back end of the, the New Testament is just pointing back to Jesus, and all that he has done, and what's going to happen, get into God's word, next thing is prayer, make sure you are praying regularly, crying out to God, we did a series on the, um, the Lord's Prayer, well, but that's all online, have a listen to that, use the Lord's Prayer as a kind of a format, you can pray one petition a day over a week, you can work your way through it daily, it doesn't matter, you can have prayer lists, prayer journals, whatever you do, make a habit of daily praying of God, pray with your family, pray with your spouse, if you have one, pray with your children there, pray with people in your house, pray with others when you go out and meet them, pray together and remind one another of who Jesus is and what he's done, be actively involved in all we do as a church, whether it's Sunday Night Live now, whether it's life groups, uh, whether it's the church at prayer, prayer meeting, come and connect. Because I find when I go to those things, I'm reminded afresh who God is. I'm reminded again about truth of him. Even in former meetings, we were out today with the church picnic. Bunches went out, it was a little bit wet, so we went for a walk. It was great talking to a bunch of people and being reminded again of what God's done in their life, what God's leading them to, where they are at the moment, and that all did me good. It just reminded me of what God's doing. It's not just me and my life stuck in my house. There's so many other things going on in our church around us, in the world around us. Catch up on sermons. If you miss sermon from here because you're away or or whatever catch up on them i told you at the beginning there were three we've had recently that were outstanding if you haven't listened to them go back and catch up with them if you've missed some of the timothy series that we're doing now please go back and catch up with them they're great ways to hear what god is saying to us as a local church family from people who are in the family speaking to us it's a great way to be reminded of what god's saying to us and it reminds us who jesus is and what he's doing what about learning some trustworthy sayings. We've got the, there's actually one in the text today to read that. We recently did a series called I Believe where we looked at the Apostles' Creed, which was an ancient, ancient statement of faith going back hundreds, thousands of years that the early church used to remind them of the truth of who God was and what he had done. And if you don't know the Apostles' Creed, maybe you want to go back on our website, poke around for the I Believe series and have a listen to that. And that will help take you through some great things to memorize and learn and say out trustworthy sayings that remind us who God is and what he's done. What about sharing bread and wine? Things are opening up. We can meet in homes as life groups or gardens. When you get together, why don't you share bread and wine together? And it literally reminds us who Jesus is, his body broken in the bread, his blood shed in the wine that we have. Use that as an opportunity to remember who Jesus is and what he has done 
for us. What about missing some music, worship music? We had some cracking songs tonight from the team. It was brilliant, but they we sing truth to remind us so we don't forget. I try and play it when I'm at home, when I'm just doing kind of jobs using the kitchen, when I'm clearing up or stuff. I, I, I Even tonight, before I was getting ready for here, I had um, my phone and I was playing some songs on YouTube. I'm still listening to the Red Rocks, Not Afraid, and the Hill songs, Another in the Fire, as just songs that just remind me of the wonder and the mercy and the grace of God and who he is. What about books? Read some good books about who God is and what he's done. I've just finished this song, which I thought was fantastic. This is called The God of All Things by Andrew Wilson. Um, and it's 30, day, 30 meditations, 30 days, very short chapters about rediscovering the sacred in an everyday world. And he takes some everyday things that we find and talks about how they point us to God, how they, they use in the Bible and things like that. And they're fascinating. The one on pigs was brilliant. The one on earthquakes was fantastic. The one on dust, the first one was brilliant. There was some in the Old Testament about um, the bread and the trees and the trumpets. That was fantastic. If you haven't read that and you want a copy, stick your name in the chat. We've got a couple of copies we'll give away. We'll get them mailed to you. But that is another great way. Read some good books that just remind us who God is and what he's about and what he's doing. Tell stories. If God's done something in your life, he's met you, you've read something in his word, tell others. We had last week, if you missed last week, you missed a fantastic story from Claire, who was on the call and she shared how through our Alpha course, she's become a Christian. Yeah, I think she's on the call now. So maybe she'll give us a wave if she's still on. Um, but it was, it was incredible just to hear her story and how God had met her, transformed her, what he'd done in our life since then. It was brilliant. And those are kind of the big, whoa, spectacular stories. But we all got stories of what God's been doing in our lives every day, every week. If you've got something, share it. Put it on your life group WhatsApp. It points people to Jesus. It reminds them again who Jesus is, what he's done, how he's active in people's lives, in your life. And the last one, preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. All of us have been called to preach the gospel. And it's not just people like me who've particularly been called to a role of leadership and to teach the church in a public setting. All of us have been called this. And we are all called to preach the gospel. And the person we most we must preach to it to most to that makes sense person we must preach it most to is ourselves because we're dull and we're dense and we forget so preach the gospel yourself remind yourself daily what god has done for you what he's how he died and he rose again how he saved you how he transformed your life keep telling yourself here the best sermons i've ever preached are ones that the only person who heard them is me because i remind myself regularly what he's done in those moments when I'm on a mind, I'm in the car, I'm in the shower, whatever. Preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself all that God has done for you. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. We're going to finish there. And I'd just love to pray for you um, at this time before I kind of hand back to Jeremy. Um, and I'd love us just to maybe earth some of this stuff. I don't know what out of that, if God kind of touched you on any of those things and said, actually that one, or maybe it's another thing that was related to something I said and thought, oh, there's this, this over there, whatever it is. They, they, they want the only, it's not an exhausted list. They were just things um, that I thought of. But I'd love us to take a moment before God and remember, I'm going to pray to remind us, but I'm also aware that God is with each of you 
and can speak to you. And I'd love you to take a pen, a bit of paper on your phone or whatever it is you use and just jot down something you're going to do this week to remember. Then maybe there's something you need to start, um, something new. Maybe it's something you need to pick up because you put it down and you need to get back. Maybe it's, oh yeah, I need to do that. Maybe I also need to tap my name in the chat so I can get a copy of that book. That'll help me. Maybe it's a book that's on your bedside table that you just, you haven't read, you put it down and I need to go back to that. Maybe you read a few pages tonight, something to remind you to remember Jesus, that you keep going after him. Let me pray. I'm going to close your eyes. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the Christ the Messiah, the chosen one of God, the one who came to save mankind, the long promised offspring of David, the one who would sit on that throne forever. Lord God, we thank you that you came born of a virgin, fully man. We thank you also that you were fully God, that you lived a life on the earth, sinless. You walked around. We thank you that you died in our place for our sin. We thank you that you rose bodily from death, victorious over the power of sin and death we thank you that you ascended into heaven where you are exalted at the right hand of the father we thank you that one day you will return to judge all mankind we thank you that you sent your holy spirit who can be with each of us now wherever we are whatever we're doing you are with us by your spirit your presence is there lord we thank you that we thank you for your word that we have the Bible that teaches us all these things that we can take and read in our own language and study. We thank you for the resources available to get into that more and more. God, we pray for your grace that you would help us create habits to remember who you are. And Lord, I pray now that you would speak to each one of us in what we're doing. Lord, I pray you drop something into our hearts now that we would take away this week and use to remember you whatever it is if it's getting back into our bible reading if it's cranking that worship music on in the car as we go about things if it's picking up a book if it's getting together with friends to pray if it's getting back into life because we've let that slip whatever it is maybe it's telling someone what's happened in our life really just to proclaim your goodness and your grace god give us give us courage to do that lord jesus and if you know what it is, you maybe just jot it down now, write it down so you kind of you're earthing it. And I always find in this situation that if you know God's asked you to do something, it's great to write it down, but it's better to tell someone. Say, just jot a text to someone, put it on your life group, WhatsApp, and say, this is what I'm going to do, just so you've got it out there and it doesn't disappear into kind of the ether. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace, your mercy. I thank you that you are faithful to us. Even when we are faithless, even when we uh, mess up, go away, Lord. You always call us back. You pursue us, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that. We love you. We praise you. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Jeremy, back to you.